0: Welcome to the Rockman Podcast, the weekly podcast brought to you by Rockman, the running and fitness challenge brand for those with a deep desire to test and further their limits and live a healthier life with fortitude. At Rockman, we provide the challenges, sportswear, content, and community to inspire action within you to push your body, strengthen your mind, and achieve your next level of health, fitness, and well-being. You can sign up free at www.rockman.co.uk. If you'd like to be notified about new podcast releases, then be sure to hit the subscribe button below. And if you take any value from this podcast whatsoever, give me the thumbs up or leave me a review or a comment. Podcasts by nature are very much one way. Um, we, me and my guest will speak, you listen, but there's nothing coming back, rarely. So in order for me to know which ones are good, which ones are bad, please let me know in the comment section below and it will help me to improve the podcast going forward. I'm Terry Rosman, Rockman founder, and today we are joined by veteran, athlete, and explorer, Ben Gallagher. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Rockman... Let me start again. Welcome to the Rockman podcast, Ben Gallagher. How are we doing? Hi, Terry. How's it going? I'm very well, thank you. Same here, same here. So we had to get you on. So on your website, it describes you as three words, veteran, athlete, and explorer and you were in the British army right and you've just left last year and in just four days time right am I getting this right In four days time you were flying out to the marathon de sables I like, am yeah how <laughs> you say it marathon de sables or marathon de yeah sables? marathon de sables that's it yeah yeah so what's that challenge all about what what are you doing that for um
1: so yeah rightly as you say I sort of put myself into three categories veteran uh, an athlete and an explorer, and obviously we'll probably cover those a little bit more throughout the podcast. Uh, and you're right in saying in four days' time, I fly out to Morocco and I race in what's called the toughest foot race on earth. Uh, and rightly, as you say, it's it's marathon des sables. So I, um, yeah, I race across this Sahara desert, um, 250 kilometers in seven days, carrying pretty much all all the kit and equipment that I need on my back um, for that period of time. Uh, bar the water uh, which you get at the checkpoints out there bottled water, you get uh, a water ration card um, and you get those at, throughout the checkpoint um, when you're out there but everything else I'll be carrying carrying on my person um, Why am I doing it? So um, like you said, I got medically discharged from the, from the British Army last year um, and I'm doing it for a number of reasons really I'm doing it to test myself um, so I I thoroughly enjoy pushing myself to to great limits, um, and we'll cover a few events that I've done and that I'm doing in the future. Um, but I, I I I thoroughly love getting myself into a situation where I'm both physically and mentally fatigued, drained, and and I can see how far I can I can push myself and get that get that next um, drive and kick and and that 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 sort of thrill i suppose it's a bit of a, a bit of like an adrenaline adrenaline kick um i used to get all that in the military um so deploying on operations uh representing the the british army at a number of sporting activities um courses you know all that kind of stuff The the, the stuff that the military the military officer when you leave the military you don't you, you lose that it's gone um so i started to get involved with um initially i needed it myself so i needed charity support through mental and physical health um, but then i realized the benefits and the support that these charities offer to people like me um, moving forward so it gave me two things really it gave me an opportunity to give something back to charities that supported me but it also gave me the opportunity to get out and test myself at the same time so last year um so it all started uh around june last year um, with a big event Um, so October 2020 um, when I knew I was getting medically discharged and I was leaving the military um, I I reached out to a guy social media is a wonderful thing uh, and me and a guy called Darren Edwards um, started speaking and he said that he would like me to get involved with the challenge that he's doing the challenge was kayak for heroes so five injured veterans um, got together and uh, we did a number of months training and then we kayaked from Lands End to John O'Groats, 1,400 kilometres in two double kayaks and we left from Lands End and 26 days later, so 21 days actually paddling on the water, we arrived at John O'Groats. So quite a quite a hefty challenge, quite a quite a you know quite a. Demanding challenge for for five injured veterans, and there are a number of you know varying uh, injuries. So myself, I've had main, my main injuries. I've had my left arm reconstructed from the elbow down. Um, Darren is um, paralysed from the chest down. Oh, wow. uh, Johnny Johnny had a uh, bleed on the brain, um, so he's got a reduced function in his left side of his body um carl has had numerous issues but has mainly got a really bad back problem and luke had stepped on an IED and had numerous um injuries uh, these these aren't trivial
0: these aren't trivial injuries these are real life-changing injuries yeah pretty pretty life-changing pretty strong
1: um and i think that's what so there was a number of things that brought us together uh the fact that we were all injured and we all bounced off each other we're all similar ages like-minded and driven people um so, uh, sorry, I also forgot to mention, the the, the the way we were connected in the first place was we we all ski for the Armed Forces Para-Snow team. So being on snow and being out, regardless of injury, there's just something that the mountains and the snow offers you. And we all got that connection through the Armed Forces Para-Snow Sport team. So that's what brought us together initially. Then we all came together, did these training camps. Darren set up kite for heroes, and then we went away um in June last year and kayak on Land's End to John O'Groats so that then spurred on this this thrill and drive for these challenges so um I then later on in the so a, a, as we finished that challenge like I said pretty pretty mean feat 1400 kilometers from Land's End to John O'Groats we raised over 100,000 pounds for the Armed Forces Paral
0: Sport team so
1: 100,000 pounds yeah we raised <laughs> 116,000 I think it was or 118,000 pound for charity
0: which was really cool oh man well done yeah that's a huge amount
1: yeah so when we finished that it there was just something that it gave us all it gave us all a connection to like-minded people so the banter the drive the push for each of us to test our injuries and and be in an environment that's quite an uncomfortable environment you're out from the coastline some quite some k's out you know at one point i think we was set we was on a crossing um across a bay and we were 70 kilometers out from out from land so we we, literally for 360 around us we saw nothing apart from grey sky and blue water Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's quite a it's quite daunting i
0: imagine
1: quite a daunting challenging experience so that then obviously then spurred on the next challenge what's next so Uh, I reached out to um, Walking With The Wounded. So Walking With The Wounded are a a really big uh, military charity that really hone in on supporting veterans, their families, and they recently started supporting the National Health Service with the mental health programme. So I was suffering at the time, and these challenges gave me something to focus on because I'd lost that connection from the military. I'd lost what was next, where I was going, Um, you know what my future held these gave me opportunities something to look forward to something to train for as well as testing myself and then fundraising for charities that really support uh, the military walking with the wounded we're doing um, the walk of Oman so the grenadier walk of Oman was initially um, a 400 kilometer trek across the Oman desert Um, there was six veterans uh, pulling a trolley uh and we were gonna basically walk across walk across the Oman desert to raise money for charity uh, unfortunately due to covid and a number of other things changed uh we walked from uh wales so we we went up penny fan and walked from we started at the bottom of story arms at the, at the red um phone box and we walked the um penny fan uh we did a uh really nice walk along there and then headed up down towards London so that the route had changed quite considerably from the heat of the Oman desert to uh to sunny Brecon beacons um yeah. on a cold start one one morning um back in October last year um uh and actually it worked a lot better because the profile of the the, the fundraising element was was a lot better be, being in the UK we had a lot of people come and join us on the walk and that was pretty cool so that was the next challenge so then I always like to have three things going one that I'm doing one that one that's sort of not too far in the future and then one in the distance. And obviously this time last year, I didn't have one that I was planning for and prepping. So I, because of the opportunity that walking with the wounded had offered me on the Grenadier walk of a man, there's an opportunity and a space to raise money through marathon disciples. So that's how I then got the, the space, and the opportunity to head out to to Morocco and um, race across um, the Sahara, Sahara desert.
0: yeah. I mean, be, it's literally four days time how's, how's the training gone are you all prep are you all prepped and ready to rock <laughs> yeah no. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, training
1: training's gone really well actually um, so training started from the walk last year um, so I used the walk as the start of my training so walking for um, how long did we walk for three weeks two weeks? um so that walking basically hit it off my my training and then i've just been running basically since building up the mileage um up to sort of marathon distance and getting on some really long weighted walks because um, it's it,
0: it is it is a running race right or is it or, or are you towing your I, i'm pretty sure people run it don't they yeah no
1: it's, yeah, it is a it is a running race but you can you can tab it you can walk walk across the desert um yeah. There's a there's an old there's actually an old uh, an old myth. I'm not sure if it's still true. I've not heard of it recently, but um, there's a camel that follows the back of the pack, and if the camel overtakes you, then you're out of the race. <laughs> so uh, as long as you can beat the camel, then you're you're in a good you're yeah, in a good place. Keep your eyes so, on those
0: humps. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, so training's training's been going really well actually. Um, building up the mileage, getting some distance in, testing out some kit and equipment. I've had some really good sponsors come forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and support me with clothing and equipment and food um so you know a, a huge thanks to them because actually they've taken away a lot of me buying kit and testing stuff out and trial and error mm-hmm. um so yeah trialing those bits out and then um actually today i've unpacked all my kit laid it all out checked through my checklist so i d- done my final checks uh, and in preparation to to head to Gatwick on Thursday to fly on Friday morning. So. Any
0: nerves or or excited?
1: Um, I'm actually really excited. I think out of the challenges that I've done so far um, with Kike for Heroes and the, the Walk of a Man uh, reimagined, I think this one is um, definitely the more challenging. Um, but I think one that I because it's a, because it's me, it's an individual effort it's down to me to prep and sort my stuff out. So in my head, I know I'm prepped, and know I'm sorted, and I haven't almost got to rely on anybody else in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's put me in a good place. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm prepped, I'm excited, I'm actually excited. Uh, there are a little bit of nerves. Um, I've been out to the desert before, um, but it's obviously for different, different reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really excited, really looking forward to getting out there. Yeah.
0: I find I find the the sort of the butterflies they disappear as soon as the whistle goes, isn't it? It's all it's the, you can't wait to start. I think that's it, yeah. isn't it? Like as soon as it says the gun goes, you're off. Yeah. Now I've got on my notes here. You you you're you're the owner of a couple of British records as well, right? I am. Yeah. It was it was this was this pre incident or was this is this post?
1: Yeah. So this was post incident. So um, I I got injured in January 2019, and I'll come on to um, the, the bits of that shortly. Yeah um but I um during my rehab so uh, as I said I've had my left arm reconstructed from the elbow down and part of my rehab was getting my arm functioning again and I remember sat with a physio and a a, an exercise rehab instructor in the gym and I used to use the row machine as part of my training warm up, part of a workout that kind of thing but nothing to you know nothing competitive that kind of thing and so I gave it a go sat on the row machine uh I've got injuries to both my legs as well so sitting was a bit difficult so I very quickly became uncomfortable uh I couldn't hold the handle of the row machine uh and then when I started pulling my the the hand my hand gave way and the the, the handle sort of disappeared away from me so massively you know frustrated I was like ah. You know i want to get back on the row machine again and i need to get rowing again so more and more visits to the gym um, more rehab um, more time spent frustrated on the row machine but it gradually gradually increased and got better so you know 10 strokes turned into um 100 meters 100 meters turned into you know a few minutes a few minutes turned into a kilometer um, and then a kilometre turned into two kilometres and, and I could comfortably then, without stopping, without letting go, without strapping my hand to the handle, um, I could then comfortably sit and row two Ks again. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was as, you know, pacey, as fast as I used to be able to do. So but then time passed, time went on and through the Invictus Games Foundation uh, during, during lockdown, um, they sent out a opportunity for... Uh, members of the Invictus Games Foundation to enter the British Rowing Indoor Championships. So the British Rowing Indoor Championships is exactly what it says on the tin, rowing indoors on a Concept2 row machine. So I thought, ah, I've got a Concept2 row machine. And I've been doing quite a bit of rowing as part of my uh, rehabilitation. So maybe I'll give it a go. So I took took the opportunity and I entered the uh, 2000 metre and the four minute best effort. And, um, yeah, as you say, uh, randomly came away. I I I think I finished um, the first race on the Saturday midday, uh, which was the 2000 meters, um, fourth place overall, overall but first for Great Britain. And I got a British record, um, in the 2000 meters. And then, um, Sunday morning, I raced the four minute best effort and I finished. Third overall or second overall, third overall, and I also finished first for Great Britain, and again I bagged uh, another british british record, which was uh really bizarre, but actually really it, it it hit me quite hard. I actually got quite emotional because um when you when you compete in the military when you're unable you know, i say able bodies obviously i've still got all my limbs and i i I work with athletes um injured veterans that are not so able-bodied, you know, amputees, that kind of stuff. When you're when you're in that position, when you race in the military, when you race in, I used to race triathlon. When you when you're racing triathlon, there's an expectation of certain levels, age groups, that kind of thing. When you've been injured and then you race in an event as an adaptive athlete, after everything I then had been through to achieve that, even though it it was. I don't see it as a big thing it was it was it had a massive impact on me it was so rewarding and I I got really emotional with it because I just felt that everything I'd been through I'd achieved this through the time and the input that I'd done through rehab in order to get myself to this back to this place but actually I then had a an almost a, a flashback in a way to the day when I sat on the row machine in the gym and I tried to row for the first time post injury and, and, and I couldn't pull the handle uh, you know I'd pull the handle and my hand would let go I'd get frustrated and I'd have another go and the hand would let go and I was like oh come on you can do this I'd grab the handle again in in eager frustration I'm like I can row I can I can do this and I'd pull the handle again and I'd go oh, one two let go again so, you know, it, it brought that back again. And I I yeah, and it was quite an emotional moment, but it was so rewarding and it had such an impact on me. There was no one around me apart from my missus. I did it in the house. Um, but it had, yeah, it had such an impact to to the feeling that it gave me and the and the you know, the, the I don't know how to it's quite hard to put words into how, how that feeling felt, but it was it was really good. Um so yeah, I bagged two British records. Um, no, I,
0: yeah, no, I get it, man. I get it because it, it comes down to why you were doing it. You weren't doing it for maybe gold medals or to be the best in Britain, even though you got you got that. You were doing it for you, and yeah, what totally, it represented yeah. with all that rehab. And it's it's funny you say that you fought back to that sort of first day when you couldn't pick grab the rowing handle. And I don't think people don't do that enough. They never look back to see how far they've come. Because uh, improvements are often done incrementally. Yeah. They perhaps don't feel that they're making the progress. But when you stop and look back, no wonder you got like, overwhelmed with emotion. Like yeah. you couldn't even hold the handle and now you've just set a British record. This is insane. Well done. But this is why i had have to get you on, Ben, because I, I I read your story. Um, and obviously at Rockman, we're running Challenge Brand. We want to encourage and inspire people to do challenges because we believe in sort of, how it can help your health well-being fitness overall quality of life just by pushing your limits and applying yourself to you know a focus a target um and obviously challenges and sport has been such an integral part of your rehabilitation because we we will go on to it a a bit further down about what happened to you so you have a near-death experience um and the challenges of what helped you get through the the problems that arose from that and that's why you were a perfect fit for rockman but before we get to that i want to know i want to wind it back a bit and sort of know what you were like growing up um i know you said you said you found school and learning um tough and difficult through childhood and sort of how did that then lead you into the military because i know you 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 joined young right at seventeen
1: yeah i did yeah um so growing up i was always that kid that uh, I was a practical learner, you know. Sit me behind a textbook, and I found it quite difficult. Give me a puzzle, give me something practical to do, and to get stuck in, and I, you know, I'd thrive. I'd get, you know, I'd really take a buzz off it. Um, and yeah, I was always out playing. I was always out on my bike, um, and I, I enjoyed childhood. I just didn't enjoy school. I found school quite difficult, purely from 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 that side of things you know I'm a a kinesthetic learner I like hands-on things uh and because I found it difficult I I I started to rebel against school I started to rebel against my teachers a little bit um because I just I just didn't enjoy it I didn't enjoy learning and um when I was uh 11 um my dad had a conversation so I I grew up in a in the pub trade so my dad was a um a pub landlord um and I was always around um, the pub environment. So I remember my dad having a conversation with a gentleman across the bar and said, you know, Ben's been really difficult at school, is, you know, getting into trouble all the time, is causing aggro for his teachers. Um, But he's always out with his mates, he's always on his bike, um, he's always, you know, building things and playing around outdoors, that kind of stuff. So the gentleman um, said to my dad, uh, have you thought about, getting him into the army cadets and uh it was like no no so long story short my dad looked into it and uh on a one of the evenings in the week drove me down to the local uh, army cadet unit so went in got introduced to everyone and uh, uh and lo and behold joined the army cadets and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it the amount of stuff that you learn outdoors you know navigation weapons um camouflage and concealment all the things that you do um as a soldier you were doing as you know I was doing as a cadet uh going away on little camps and and actually having the courses that we you were doing were all hands-on you know first aid shooting um like I said map, map and compass that kind of stuff and and you get you get obviously rewarded for those so you get um like levels that you go up and you get little badges for your for your little brazzard that you wear on your arm and I I, I genuinely looked forward more to go into cadets one day a week than I did for five days at school because I just could not stand school. I didn't I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I found it difficult and um, thoroughly in front. anyway thoroughly thoroughly fried from army cadets. So it's then from there really. I learned a lot, uh, and and really the the main progression is is to join the army. I actually joined. Um, I actually became a heating and plumbing engineer, um, for, for a company. And, um, it was a, a guy that owned his own company. Uh, he took me on for a number of months and then he, he decided to sell his business and, and move to Spain. Um, so I was left with sort of no choice really, but to join the military.
0: Um, <laughs> he, just, had a lot... he just left you in the lurch. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see ya. Uh, Spaniard is calling. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry. Um, carry on. So I had a, had a few mates that had, um, had a few mates that joined the military, uh, and they always, you know, said good things about it. And so the natural progression was for me to join. So, um, as you say, 17, 17 and nine months, um, I signed up in July, 2005, uh, and joined the Royal Corps of signals, um, and absolutely enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed, uh, you know, joining the military and the process of joining the military. And I took a lot of advice from, from guys that had, had, joined the military before me. Um, so a lot of them had joined the infantry uh, and quite a few of them had said at the time, like if I could have got a trade or, you know, got something that I gained civilian qualifications out of, then that's probably more the step that they would have took at the time. Um, and a few of them advised me um, as well as my careers advisor being Royal Signals um, to join to join and get a, a trade in a, you know, a technical, you um, a technical trade, so I did. Um, join the Royal Signals in July 2005, um, went to Army Training Regiment Litchfield, um, which is now not a basic training unit, I believe it's the home of the medics. Um, and then went down to Blanford and trained to be a, what's called an area systems operator. So I trained in um, like large level um, communications equipment, so vehicle-based vehicle um, communications infrastructure. Basically, which ones, you know, headquarters, that kind of thing. Um, And then, yeah, my career, my army career went from there, really. How long were you in the the military for then? Uh, So I served 16 years in total. So I deployed, I literally, you know, you see all these adverts on the tellies and and they were probably a bit more tasty and a bit more fruity back when I joined the the military. But, um, you know, I literally did what the military sells itself to do, Um, deployed around the world. Uh, completed a number of courses, um, represented the military at sports. Um, yeah, literally did what the military side gained gained loads of qualifications. I've got gained a trade in um, IT and communications. Um, and, and I was always looking for that next challenge. So e- even when I was in the military, you know, pre-injury, um, I was always looking to challenge myself what course is next what you know what promotion is next um, what can I get on um, that can you know benefit me as an individual but also benefit me as a soldier how can I test myself um, so I was always looking for courses um, and opportunities in the military um, to you know progress and develop um, as an individual but also in in as a soldier.
0: So so what, what tools did you did you go on? where? Whereabouts in the world did it take you? Um, so I, I've deployed,
1: well, all over the place, really. Um, so my main operational tour, I've done two tours of Afghanistan. Um, I've been out to Iraq. Um, I've done uh, a place in the Middle East, um, which I won't go into. Um, <laughs> and um, I've deployed on exercise to the likes of Cyprus and um, Jordan um the Falklands I did four months out in the Falklands which was quite interesting um yeah I mean here there and everywhere Salisbury Plain <laughs> good old good old Salisbury Plain Grecon Beacons um with that, you know that's almost like being in a different country
0: but well, it is isn't it it's Wales But <laughs> well, it is yeah I suppose it is yeah. <laughs> that's it's a stone's throw from where I am so it's uh oh, it's literally okay, down cool. the road so I'm only from Cardiff um yeah. What, what did you love about the, the military then? What was it that you, you, that you absolutely loved?
1: Um, it was that, you know, it's, it's a practical environment. Everything you do in the military, well, I'll say everything you do in the military. Most of the things that you do in the military is practical. So, you know, all those things that I mentioned that I did in cadets, you do in the military to a higher level. Um, it's just that, you know, there's always people around you that are like-minded. Um, I was always into fitness. The opportunity to get away on courses and develop um i ended up representing the army at triathlon and clay target shooting um clay target shooting not so much um as the fitness sort of orientated sport but it was you know mentally demanding um you know uh, shooting clays is actually quite a you know mentally demanding sport um but i raised triathlon to quite a high level so you know testing myself in endurance, um, on the bike, swimming, and, and running.
0: And the skiing. Just, and and the
1: skiing. skiing, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I, actually, I only got into skiing post-injury. Um, so I actually got, yeah, so I got into skiing. So 16, believe it or not, 16 years in the military, and I never went on one skiing trip. And then I got injured and then I got invited away um, with the squadron that I was serving with um, on adventure training. So they just returned from operational tour um, and I got the opportunity to go away skiing with them. Um, So in the military, you do um, you can obviously go away skiing, but you do uh, elements or courses. So I did ski foundation one um, on my first ski trip. And then I was given the opportunity to go away with um, a company called Battleback, which no longer do um, ski expeds. But Battleback is um is a company that takes injured veterans overseas and, and gets them into the snowy environment. And then through Battleback, I got introduced to the Armed Forces Power Snowsport team and raced as a Nordic skier um, for Armed Forces Power Snowsport team. So that's how that progression happened. So yeah, believe it or not, 16 years in the military and another never once went away on a skiing trip so um yeah i don't know
0: what i don't know if the, you were made for the military or the military was made for you it sounds like you're like a perfect <laughs> fit you know this yeah, is exactly man. what you were looking for and it was there it was,
1: yeah it, it, and i just i just I really enjoyed it i was always away on courses and, and probably back you know i've got three children with my ex-wife um and probably black back at the time i was I spent more time away, you know, a lot of it was not, it was out of my control. Um, a lot of it was, you know, the tempo of the units that I was working and operating at, mm-hmm. um, were regularly away training or, 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 on deployments. Um, and that ruined that, you know, that part, that partly ruined my relationship with my ex-wife. Um, and, um, uh, I spent, I didn't spend a lot of time at home with my children, um, mm-hmm. which, which was obviously quite difficult at the time. Um, how old are they yeah
0: so how how old are the children uh
1: so tyler's now 13 and i've got twin girls um alila and isabella they're now 10 so yeah they're good um but yeah so obviously uh, there there was a there was a trade-off and uh, the military obviously won a a lot of it because um you can't you know you can't turn down operational tours you can't not go on away on deployments and training exercises Mm. And I was at, I was at busy units that, um, that, you know, demanded my, uh, I wouldn't say expertise, but demanded me as a soldier to go away and, and prep for operations and and prep for those, um, those training exercises. So, um, but other than that, you know, I had, I thoroughly enjoyed my military career, thoroughly enjoyed everything about it constantly, you know, looking for that next course, looking for that next demanding environment, that next opportunity to test myself um the net what's the next course going to be um what does the next promotion course entail how can I prep for it you know how can I um how can I benefit me as an individual but also how can I get the best out of whatever's coming coming up and and a lot of the time I did um I did push myself to the point where I finished top third on a lot of my courses just because you know that's the nature of I wanted to do well I wanted to thrive and I wanted to I wanted to get the best out of it. It wasn't just, um, we say a box ticking exercise. It's just a case of, you know, doing that course in order to get promoted or whatever. Um, I, I also wanted to do well on it and I, you know, I thrived off that and that's gone on to, you know, show now through the, through the, um, challenges and the bits and pieces that I've now got involved in.
0: Mm. So, so take me back to this, the, the incident. I call it the incident because obviously on your website, it just says um, there was an incident. It was near death and th- th- you got, you got shot, right? Multiple times. Yeah. What, so take me back yeah, to paint a, paint a picture. What happened there?
1: Yeah. So um, overcoming adversity. Eh? Um, so really? I, I, I was deployed on a, a, on a military training exercise Um back in January, 2019. And obviously without going into too much detail, um, something went wrong and I ended up getting shot and I took seven rounds to my upper torso and both arms. Uh, And there was a, I also received sort of blast and fragmentation injuries. Um, I had, as I've already covered, had my left arm reconstructed, had penetrating holes in both sides of my chest. Um, I lost my pec minor on my right side and I've got numerous severe scars down my right arm Um, I then had got admitted to hospital and then had surgical injuries I suppose is the best way to explain it to both my legs so in order to reconstruct my left arm they had to cause me further I wouldn't call it injuries but they used parts of my legs to basically reconstruct my left arm and then as I've already mentioned, uh, with the rehab side of things, so I, I got admitted to hospital. I spent, I had five major surgeries in hospital. Um, the fifth one being the reconstruction of my left arm, which lasted over 12 hours, um, which was uh, almost a week after a week after my incident. Uh, I had one further surgery before I left hospital, which was just a regraft of my graft site on my right leg. And then I left hospital five weeks later, so even that became became a challenge for me, so I was told um, I would hardly be able to use my left arm, and I would have to spend ten weeks in hospital. I left hospital at five weeks with about five percent function in my left hand, in my left hand, so I could barely move my fingers so my my hand was sort of stuck in this sort of motion,
0: mm.
1: and I could barely move my fingers. I've now got full functional.
0: Yeah, movements. wow, look at that. That's, that's like a normal hand.
1: Yeah, I've got about 60% function now in my hand. Um, there are certain things I can't do with it, um, certain movements that I can't conduct. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, sorry, going back to the point. So it was 10 weeks in hospital and barely could, barely could use my left hand. As I said, I've got 60% use and I left hospital at five weeks. I then started a very long um, rehab program. Um, and that program went from March 2019 till October 2019. So I was in full time rehab for that whole period of time. And every day was challenging, every day was demanding, um, every day was an opportunity for me to try and get the best out of the circumstances that I'd been through. And actually, it wasn't the physical side of things that I found the hardest. That You could see them, I could feel them, um, I could interact with them, I could, you know, my leg was sore, my arm was sore, my chest was sore, whatever that may be. There was there was a workaround, there was an opportunity to, you know, uh, massage it, relax it, take some pain relief, you know, whatever it may be. Actually, the thing that hit me the hardest was, was the mental side of things. I was mentally broken for a number of reasons, so I was mentally broken because the fear of losing my job uh, you know i'd had such a good military career i'd done so well um, so there was a fear of losing my job with a fear of losing my job i had a fear of becoming homeless so i thought that i was going to lose my job i was going to leave the military and then i was going to end up homeless alongside of that was the was all the other things that come around complex trauma so you know how am i going to operate in the future Am I going to constantly be covered in scars and no one, everyone's going to give me funny looks when I walk down the street? Um, There was uh, a number of other things that mentally broke me. But because you can't see it, because you can't almost control it, because you can't take something in theory to help with it there and then, it was that was the hardest thing for me. Um, I'd often wake up in, you know, really bad sweats in the night um i had seriously bad nightmares um i went for a stage shortly after leaving hospital uh, during rehab where i drank quite heavily so i didn't sleep for about four months um and my 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 sleeping moments were opportunities where basically i drank too much whiskey and i was knocked out in my bedroom and i would get some form of sleep if you
0: can call it sleep was it was that in um, an attempt to get sleep or was this Yeah, so it was
1: an attempt. So it was an attempt to numb the pain, um, but it was also an attempt to try and try and get myself to to take these thoughts out of my head and get me to sleep. Um, on top of that, I was on heavy uh, nerve pain relief and pain relief, um, which I overdosed on quite regularly um, to try and take more to to numb the pain. And, you know, I really got myself down in a really bad place. I was at home on sick leave. I'd lost all connection to my friends. Um, It was just not a great place to be. Um, And then I tried to return to work over the months of October to January 2020 and um, was told I could return to work. Happy days. So I got upgraded again um, at the end of January and um, tried to return to work and it just didn't really, it just didn't really happen. Um, and uh, in February of 2020, I tried to take my own life. Um, so it got to the point where so much had built up. Um, I hadn't seen my kids for a period of time, some months. Um, I was out of work again. Um, I was back on sick leave at home. I had no one around me. I was single at the time um it was it was just a difficult place and I was like what's the point living do you know what is the point of me being here I'm in this pain all the time I've got these things that are going on in my head which I can't control um I just I, I was in a really bad place I was really down in in the grassroots um really really struggling and uh like I said I tried to um take my own life and um uh, sorry, let me take a step back. That had all happened um, prior to me going to Stamford Hall, which is the lead rehab. After leaving Stamford Hall, um, I got connected with um, my my new partner then. Then some times had passed, and then February had happened, and then I tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. I was at home alone, and... Um, it all basically built up too much and I I tried to take my life I don't remember anything that happened that evening and I don't remember what I tried to do I just remember waking up in my dad's house so I was living in Wales at the time and my dad was up in in the Midlands in Telford so I woke up in his house the next morning with my partner sat next to me on the bed had no idea what I'd tried to do or what, what happened. I just know I was in a bad place at about six o'clock the evening before. So, and then I was informed by my dad that I tried to take take my own life. So that then caused the spell of I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it, it caused the spell of what the hell am I doing? What the hell is going on? I can control. Probably eighty percent of everything that I'm feeling right now, and the 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 rest that I can't control, there's someone out there that can support me. and so I reached out to a clinical psychologist and um, uh, and then started um, a number of different treatments in order to deal with my my mental illness yes. in August of 2020, I then got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and that then sort of it sort of put things into place I was like actually I have got something wrong someone has now diagnosed me with this issue and I can properly treat it and sort it out that all sounds really doom and gloom and really horrible and uh really bad and it was at the time but now I look back and actually that gave me the kick up the backside to focus my attention and think about myself and life life is hard life 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 often deals us a bad hand but it's how we play that hand and how we how we continue the game is you know we have control over the hand that we play and it's how we then continue to play that game is how we get on with the hand that we've played if that makes sense so I had the opportunity to, pl- to, to change my hand and play a better hand. So I said, right, what makes me happy? Well, I love being outdoors. I've always loved being outdoors. I've always been an outdoorsy person. So, right, I'll start off with getting outdoors. So I got outdoors and it was quite difficult, again, during the pandemic. Um, but I'd get, out, I'd get outdoors, I'd get out for a walk, I'd get out for a little jog. And I found the fresh air and being outdoors helped. So then that then developed into a number of other things that then helped me moving forward and helped me in developing this drive to basically test myself and do these crazy events. Um, So yeah, it it all sounds doom and gloom at the time, but actually I look back now with memories that I've developed from, from that person that I was. And there was something in me that says, regardless of what's going on you need to be there for well firstly your children because it's not fair on them and secondly you've done you've put all this time and effort into developing you as a person to where you are now don't let this incident get the better of you and then you know you're better than this as a person so you know there's a lot of things that people and i i do it when i i've done a couple of keynote talks and you talk through um you know things like routine i had no routine i had no sleep pattern um i wasn't eating good i was i I don't normally take medication but i was high on a number of medication at the time um so i had to get all these things into order so i started off getting outdoors and you know that was a massive massive help for me getting out in the fresh air getting out for some long walks, getting out for some short jogs at the time. And that really helped me clear my head, focus my brain, um, think about what was going on and put a few things into, into practice. And I started finishing the day with um, three positives and a work on point. So I, I still do it today. I finish the day and at the end of the day, I'll sit down and I'll, regardless of what it is, um, and regardless of how small it is, it's still an achievement. So I'll finish the day with three positives. And then one thing that I've done that I could have, whether it was good or bad, what I can develop, what I can, how I could do it better if I did it in the future, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, it could be as as big or small as you want. So I started to do that back then. Another thing that I looked at was my sleep routine. So my sleep routine was pretty poor. So I was living in a two-bedroom flat. And I had um, a telly, a sofa and the bed in my bedroom. So I would often sit and watch telly or sit in bed and watch telly. Um, so I could always see the, the, the TV from my bed. So sitting down with an occupational therapist, I rearranged my bedroom and came up with a sleep routine, which I still do today, um, almost two and a half years post-incident. So I, my sleep routine is by 10 o'clock, I start to wind down. So the lights go down. Yes, I may still be watching telly, but um, by half 10, I have gone through a sort of a routine, a nighttime routine. So, you know, things like getting changed into your pajamas, brushing your teeth, um, putting the washing up away. Those things that something that takes you away from the telly for a period of time in preparation to go to bed Um, I'll then get into bed around half 10. And then that's my wind down time then between half 10 and 11 o'clock where I'll read a book. Or I'll, you know, just lie there and maybe listen to some, you know, relaxing music or what, you know, I suppose it's called meditation, but a bit of meditation. And then I'd wind down to sleep and then I'd be asleep by 11 o'clock and then my alarm goes off at seven o'clock every morning. So I've kept that routine going throughout. So that was another thing that I um, employed into my um, sort of lifestyle, which helped massively. Um, So getting outdoors and then sleep routine. So then on top of my sleep routine and sleep is so important because when we sleep, we process everything that we've been doing from the day. And because I'd had such a bad time, I was having flashbacks of the incident. I'd had all this intrusive thoughts. I'd had the um, uh, uh, suicidal ideations um, and all that kind of stuff going through my head. By doing my daily routine, by doing my nighttime routine and then getting a good night's sleep, I was putting all that to bed and then my head was processing things properly and then I was starting to feel better. On top of that, then I started to sort out my daytime routine. So I said, right, as a human being, we need to eat three to four, three decent meals a day. So I started to then improve on my daily routine. So eating three decent meals, breakfast, lunch and dinner, or whichever part of the country you're from it might be breakfast dinner and tea or however yeah Yeah. however they call call it it. yeah um so I started to sort that routine out so then my daytime routine became you know three decent meals uh healthy food because I'd started to put weight with the medication that I was on um I'd always been fit and healthy I then started to put weight on drinking heavily didn't help so I started to like right eat let's eat Eat properly, so I'd started to employ this healthy eating program, three meals a day, and exercise. So I'd exercise. Exercise was difficult because I started to um, during my rehab. I so so I used to regularly train in the gym. So as a physical training instructor and a personal trainer, um, but when I was injured, I started to associate the gym as rehab, not as me time and time to go and train. Also with being in, injured I couldn't train the way I did before so I changed work again working with a, a psychologist I then changed my mindset to be able to go to the gym and, and enjoy it again um, so you know that then became part of my routine. So you can see how all these small changes actually when I say small changes they're small changes in their own right but they're quite a, it's quite a big change, lifestyle change but they all then, manifested into this routine basically and that's what a lot of people get lost with and they get that you know they get thrown off kilter because their routine changes and varies day in day out and they lose that process to you know process things properly over nighttime time when they sleep to get a good night's sleep is vitally important then they might be on the road all day so they don't eat properly they don't eat healthy, they don't get the opportunity to train, um, so yeah, you can see how that has a knock-on effect for a normal daily routine, and that had a massive knock-on effect for me, because I was I was injured, I was at home, on sick leave, not knowing what was next, not knowing where I was going, um, physically and mentally broken, um, so I had to put these things into place to keep me focused and driven, um, and you know, on the straight and narrow,
0: mm. sorry I'll just both that's right yeah no you crack on <laughs> but it, it sounds like it was um really important this this routine was sustainable as well you're not giving yourself any you're not setting yourself up for failure because as you said if you if you fail at the routine that's when you're you're going to break and you're going to you know do something that's counterintuitive to your progress um and people they as you say they do underestimate this they are little changes but it's a compounded interest o- over a long period of time, sustain that for a long period of time. You can, you can move mountains, man. You know, you can really change lives. Yeah. How important was the support around you? Cause it sounded like before or after your incident is it's you, you didn't have this support network, but then uh, as you got back into things, did you have people around you to sort of to guide you or was it, was this mostly sort of like an independent journey that you, you went on? Um, no, so a lot
1: of it was, was independent because, you know, I found it difficult interacting with when I was going on to, into work to have rehab, all the guys around me were still busy, you know, working and deploying and doing military stuff. Um, so, so that was hard for me because that's what I should have been doing. So I found that quite difficult. Um, My partner, so I I met my partner um, in September 2020 um, and she just, we connected like a house on fire. We we just got on so well. We had so much in common and um, she was just constantly there for me and a constant support element. And the more we spent time, eventually time talking, the stronger the bond that got between us. And then she started to know when I wasn't feeling great, or when I I came across that I wasn't feeling great, and she would often go right, Anne, come on, get your jacket on. We're going out for a walk, and I'd be like, right well, it's it's all right, all right, okay then. I'll get my jacket. We'll go for a walk." And she and and she just got it, and she she she's been such a, an amazing support element. Um, I suppose you could call the. The psychologist, a bit of a support element, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. Health, it's hard. Um, and I've learned so much. I did my level two mental health awareness and first aiders course uh, last year, beginning of last year. And I did it just to purely understand more about mental health because it is it is a, a bit of a minefield, but uh, it's it's hard to talk to somebody when you're feeling the way you're feeling but the best way somebody can be is uh, and we've seen it now in in recent times with with mental health is by just somebody asking how are you and i had i didn't really have anybody around me because all my mates all my colleagues were in work working i was i was in living in military accommodation so i was um i was away from my friends and my civilian friends and family so i didn't have them around me um my partner was working at the time but she would come back over weekend until lockdown and then and then she we lived together for a period of time um so I didn't have those people around me to to ask that question I I didn't have those people to go Ben how are you no really how are you um and and it's vital that, that that people understand the importance of that asking somebody that question when somebody might feel a little bit off or seem a little bit off or may be coming across a little bit sharp or a little bit snappy um you know they may genuinely be struggling but by somebody asking that question it gives them the opportunity to air what they're feeling or potentially go actually I need help um and so so when it comes to support that's where I found it very difficult and that's probably where I festered a little bit on my own and, and that's where things got to the point where you know I tried to commit suicide because I wasn't able to express those 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 feelings and those emotions and then I didn't want to speak to I didn't want to speak to my friends and work colleagues in that way because I didn't want to come across as somebody that was struggling because I wanted to get back to work because I wanted to be the soldier that I was before I didn't want these injuries to inhibit my opportunity to return back to work and to be the soldier that I used to be Mm. um so that that was quite difficult um is that like a pride thing yeah, yeah it was yeah it was a it was a pride a sense of a sense of what I'd achieved in the military um also a sense of that I I was sort of blinkered in the way that I I wanted to tell them what I wanted them to hear because I wanted to return to work. I didn't want to get medically discharged. I didn't want to leave the military. Um, so yeah, that was, that was quite hard. Um,
0: yes. Yeah. It's interesting. You were talking about the routine because being a military man, you would assume that you, you live and breathe routine, right?
1: Yeah. That's I think. That's the other thing that I found quite difficult is that, you're so used to this military routine daily weekly monthly almost yearly you know what you're doing on a yearly basis you know where you you know you know what's going you know what's coming up you know what courses are next you know what you've got to achieve um you've always got people around you to go and do stuff with um you've always got challenges to look forward to when all that stops it stops you're like well what 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 What's next? I've got no one telling me where I need to be, at what time we're carrying what kit. Um, I don't know what courses I've got coming up next. I don't know what next challenge is. I don't know where I'm going.
0: Sorry, camera just went off. It's fine. I can still hear you. It's fine.
1: I don't know what I, 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 you know, you don't know what's coming up next. So it it is quite difficult. Um, And because I'd lost all of that, it was, you know, it was quite hard.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what I liken it to, I know, I know it's nothing like your experiences, and I, I always say this, but when people leave school, they're a lot like that. It's They, they lose this regimen, and um, especially with uh, PE and physical education, they don't have an outlet to exercise anymore, and then it's it's like a slow burner over 10 years. That you, that's when you find people end up cracking or, or having a breakdown because of this... They, they lose that structure. I always say, like, I, idle thumbs are the devil's playthings. If you've got nothing keeping you focused keeping you busy um you know that's when you can be left alone with your old thought your, your own thoughts and it can it can sometimes go quite badly especially when you're suffering with something like P- ptsd um yeah. if you're left to your own devices it's not a good pl- place i guess no, no, no,
1: no it isn't um and i think that's where these challenges have come from you know the challenges give me sense of purpose they give me opportunity Mm -hmm. And regardless of whether they're team based challenges or individual challenges, they still give me the same kick, the same drive. They replace something that I've lost from the, from the military Mm -hmm. because they give me something to look forward to as part of the training. It gives me routine. Um, And then it gives me a sense of reward and achievement. Once I've completed it both for myself and then for the fundraising that I've gone on to do, but also for um, the other people that that's gone on to help as well Mm -hmm. moving forward. So, you know, even just by, like I said earlier, I've given a, a couple of keynote talks about resilience and adverse overcoming adversity. And the amount of people that sort of come up to you afterwards or reach out to you via social media afterwards and go, do you know that one thing you said about sleep routine? It's made a massive difference in my lifestyle. Or do you know that one thing you said about just put twenty minutes aside just to do some sort of physical exercise? I've done it for the last six weeks and it's had a massive impact on me. Um, I feel so much better. Or even just down to um, so prepping your food to go to work. There's so many people go to work and maybe buy lunch out, or you know, it can get quite expensive. So that's one of the one of the implications that it has. But also your then often rush into in your hours lunch break to go and find some food or whatever. If you take some time to do meal prep for the week or uh, the night before you want to prep something for the day for your lunch the next day, you know, that's, that's, that's rewarding in itself. Cause you're, you're taking the time to prep your own food. So you're choosing what you want to eat. You're then giving yourself more time during your lunch break because your food is there. It's the hand. You're also happy with what you're eating because you took the time to prep and there's a bit of sense of pride behind it so it's those little things that have a knock-on effect so there was someone that said um i said about eating routine and, and pattern um and they said well i have started to make my own food for lunchtime and i just feel so much better i've got more time at lunchtime so i feel like i'm having a lunch break i'm not rushed around so much um and I enjoy what I'm eating now because I know what I'm eating because i prepped it the night before. So it's, that's had a massive impact on that person just by taking some time to prepare their lunch the next Absolutely. day. So it's about, it's about, you know, you're in control at the end of the day. This often gives up before your body. So physical events. But actually, by training this and by implementing things into your daily routine and your lifestyle and, and the way you... Um, go about things actually this can be a very very strong um, mechanism to how how you live life and and you know I was near-death experience life is too short and you know why burn yourself out by you know being in a I'm talking bigger picture here now but why burn yourself out being in a job that you don't enjoy, that you're reluctant to get up in the morning, to go to work, to conduct whatever you're doing, you know, you you then has a knock-on effect with your routine, eating, sleeping, you know, physical exercise, when actually you could probably be in a job where, you know, I've known a, a couple of people that have left jobs earning a fairly decent amount, and they've taken a job that pays them less but gives them such more reward and um, you know benefit and you know massively improve their mental health because they've they've taken the opportunity to make that change and it's gives it's put them in a better position and actually they feel better being in a job where you know life it's not all about money at the end of the day and they're now in a job where they earn less money but actually they're so much more happier because they get to sleep better they get a better sleep routine they get to spend more time with the family they get to conduct exercise every day you know i know a gentleman that swapped his job to from an office-based job to um uh being a walk leader so he takes groups out hiking and hill walking um he's also a mental health practitioner so he gets to talk to people and implement those things into their lifestyle and that's massively rewarding for him um so yeah it's all about all about those those things that you can implement and connect um, and you know you only have to change one thing over a few weeks and then put something else into practice and before you know it, um, you know life your life has changed dramatically, and you're so much more
0: happier and so much so much more better off yeah I mean it's not rocket science either it's just doing the basics but basics really well. Yeah. I suppose what this consistency or, you know, if you are changing it incrementally, just changing by 1% every day, doing it consistently and having the routine, because some people will always say, oh, I don't like routine. It's too restrictive. But who, who is it? There's that American military man. He says um, discipline equals freedom. Who's that guy? You know Cog... He's like oh, David Goggins. Oh, um... I, I'll have to I'll remember his name. you will probably put he's he's like Joe Rogan. He's like a mix between Joe Rogan and David Garkins, He's somewhere in the middle. Oh It will like, come to yeah. me.
1: Yeah, I know. I you know like, what I mean?
0: But he's right in this discipline. It, discipline does equal freedom. Routines aren't restrictive. And what the routine allows you to do is assess those changes that you make. You can assess that change over a week. Did it work for you? Keep it. If it didn't, you can change it. And by making these constant tweaks, as I you say, you're going to be somewhere totally different. Yeah. Talk- Talk to me about your challenges then. So you obviously moved on to the challenge. We covered a lot of um, a lot of them at the start, but what I want to know is what's been your hardest moment during these challenges, and and sort of what enabled you to push on through. What what did you call upon? Um, what was the hardest uh, part first? Sorry?
1: Yeah. So the hardest part was. Oh, oh. I suppose the hardest part was starting the challenges was, was getting into the challenges. And I suppose it's a bit like we just said, the routine change, you know, it's part of, it's part of a routine change, but then once I got into it, I, I thrived off it. And, and, and the reason why I thrived off it was because it gave me that, it gave me that sense of purpose. It gave me that sense of achievement and, it, and, and even training. So training for Marathon Disciples um is roughly equates to six marathons in six days so clearly i've got to run a marathon at some point so even the build-up training is an achievement because you're like right i I had run marathons before but you're like right post injury i can now you know with with a few stops you know a couple of walks making sure that um so I i still suffer with blood flow to my left hand so when i get fatigued my left hand gets quite sore Um, where they've taken the skin graft from my right quad um, I suffer with pain in my hip my lower back and my my achilles on my right side so I have to manage that through my running but actually when that that then becomes achievements so that you know it's all those little things it's just the drive to I I get so much more of a buzz out of challenging myself and like I said life life is too short and I don't want to I could quite easily sit at home in front of the TV, you know, eating junk food or, you know, not healthy food all day. Um, and probably be quite content, but that's not the life I want to live. That's not the life that I feel I've achieved something from. I want to, I want to live a life where I've challenged and tested myself. I pushed the boundaries, um, I've proved to others that I can I can do it, and and ultimately proved to myself post injury that I'm still as strong and physically and mentally fit as I was when I served in the military. Um, And I want and a lot of it, you know, some of most of the stuff that I'm doing, all the stuff that I've done post injury, is for charity. So you see where that money goes. Uh, Like I said, the Kite for Heroes trip that we did last year, that connection came from. Me going on a ski trip with Battleback. Battleback introduced me to the Armed Forces Para sport Team. The Armed the Armed Forces Para Snowsport Team. The freedom that you get on on the snow is phenomenal. And when you see you know, neural patients that can hardly walk and talk, and they're stood up on skis skiing on the snow is phenomenal. Um that then connected me to Darren Darren then started Kite for Heroes Kite for Heroes then gave me the opportunity to give something back to the armed forces Paris snow support team by fundraising so that was a massively rewarding process it's the same the opportunity that I got through walking with the wounded walking with the wounded supported me through my mental health they then gave me the opportunity to do the Grenadier Walk of Oman, which then got reimagined in the UK. So it was still something to focus on, something to train towards, something to help others in the team, um, like-minded military veterans, injured veterans to talk to. Um, then also from the fundraising side of things, I think the team raised 150 odd thousand for that walk. Um, that then put money into Walking with the Wounded, you know, pot. To help support veterans moving forward and the support that they offer for transition courses, mental health programs, um, counseling, that kind of stuff. And it also helps their families. That's you know, to know that I've raised that money to help other veterans leave in the military is pretty rewarding in itself as well. But alongside all of that, I then get to test myself and to go out, go out to these, go out to these environments. It's all right, my battery's dying um go out to these environments and um test myself and it's hugely hugely rewarding um so yeah i i I get a buzz off it i get a buzz off Uh, so yeah that 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 gives me a massive thrill and a massive drive because i see the reward inside of things raising money supporting other veterans uh you know even just from like being out with people and talking to people the, they might take something away that helps them in the future but also it's just an opportunity to to test myself and then that's where then walking with for me to give something back because walking with the wounded uh, sorry the grenadier walk of a man wasn't a um a direct fundraising event the whole event was a fundraising piece In order for me to give something back for the opportunity that they gave me, that's how I then went on to Marathon de Sables. And that's why I'm running Marathon de Sables, raising money for Walking with the Wounded, because I've directly seen the the impact that their fundraising has. And then you meet some amazing people and life is about networking. So I now live, you know, a lot more happier life. I still suffer with PTSD. I obviously still suffer with PTSD. I still have issues, um, but I now know how to control them um and I now ha- now how to suppress those those elements I still have days where um Kate might come home from work and she might say you know you're okay you know how to you know how's your day been and I'll say yeah yeah, I'm all right she'll go no you, you you know you're not you're not yourself have you had a bad day um and I'll say yeah I have you know I've had a and we sit and talk about it and we might go out for a walk after dinner or whatever um so you know I'm not 100% but I am you know massively better than what I was before and those opportunities give me that that buzz that you know that uplift that um you know I don't know so it's, a, it's an awesome feeling and then life's about networking and through through the through the power of connection we are we're social human beings we connect with people we like talking, we like interacting with individuals, you know, um, that's then opened doors to other things. And I've actually got, um, an event coming up at the end of this year, um, which was the, the opportunity came from somebody that connected with me and really just, we just bonded. Um, and he took a liking to me as an individual and then he did an event with the company and then the company reached out to me and offered me a space. And the event is, um, the world altitude obstacle course race um so the world altitude obstacle course race ran their first event last year which was the highest ocr um on kilimanjaro so they did a hike trek up kilimanjaro uh, conducted an obstacle course race at the top um as you do yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, all participants got two Guinness World Records out of it. Uh, I can't remember what they were off the top of my head. Um, raised an outstanding amount of money for charity. And, um, you know, what a phenomenal event. Mm. One of the guys that did the event obviously passed my name forward, as I explained. And then the guy reached out to me and said, we want to give you the opportunity to, to do the same. Um, and I was like, what's the catch? And he was like, nothing. You know, we just want, we've heard your story. We've read, read your web page. We just want you to give you the opportunity um, to, to do the same. So I've been offered a space uh, on this year's World Altitude Obstacle Course Race, which is going to be at Mount Everest. Shut up. Really? Yeah. So we're going to <laughs> Not hike the death zone, to zone space camp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will feel like the death zone when, yeah, I'm, I bet. when I'm conducting it. But yeah. Um, so what, what an amazing um, opportunity. So we will we, uh, we'll be hiking up to base camp. We'll then go from base camp to, um, I can't remember the name of the place off the top of my head, um, but we'll, we'll trek up to there. Um, we'll conduct an obstacle course race, uh, which I believe again has got two Guinness World Records attached to it. Uh, we'll then come back down to base camp and then there's an ultra distance race 28 and a half miles from base camp all the way back down into the bazaar um, at the bottom and wow what what, uh, what an opportunity um, that I, I just I was a bit overwhelmed when I was offered the space and I said you know how much is it going to cost me to enter how much do I have to fundraise and he said look don't don't worry about it if you want to fundraise you can fundraise for your own for your own benefit for your own charity um, and he said don't worry about the entry fee the entry fee is normally six thousand five hundred pound um, and he said we'll offer you the space for free um, however there's i think part of it is my story attachment to it and and mm-hmm. the opportunity to be with other people share my story with other people um, and the actually i didn't realize but uh, obstacle course racing is becoming an olympic sport so it's actually yeah so from 2028 um uh obstacle course racing will be an olympic sport um so like any other sport you have to have completed two championships in that sport in order to qualify to go forward for the olympics so there was an also an opportunity that came from that. So there may be an opportunity um, where I can enter, compete in two championships prior to the 2028 Olympics, and then race in in obstacle course racing, which will be amazing. Would that be
0: the Olympics or the Paralympics? No, the Olympics. Yeah. The, the Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna race as a as a as a para athlete uh, as an impaired athlete. Um, But I'm going to give Everest a go uh, and see how I get on. And actually, if I do all right, then um, I'm going to enter as as a fully able-bodied athlete, which will be phenomenal.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Like just earlier, you you said about you could have lived a life, sat on the sofa, eating your Cheetos, digesting entertainment on tv and you'd be quite content and I don't believe you I don't I don't believe you at all I don't I don't believe I don't believe anyone is built for that life and look at what's happened like just by you could trace this right back to you started a routine <laughs> honestly you could trace wow, yeah. all this and look at what has come off the back of this and you you obviously clear. you had a clear vision of sort of the direction you wanted to go maybe you don't let you didn't know the exact destination but you said, I wanted improvement um, I wanted to better my life, and just by and it all started routine. And look at how far you've come. And yeah, and I do look back. Like, wow,
1: well, yes, yeah, what an opportunity! And I, and I do look back. And this is again through fundraising. This offers other people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be ex-military or veterans. Anybody, there's so many opportunities out there for people to get out and 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 go and explore something and do something that's. Yeah, might be out of their comfort zone. It might be something that they've never done before. But do you know what? It's an opportunity to go and give something a try. And that's what fundraising, doing the events that, you know, often people do, doesn't just help with, you know, counselling and mental health support, physical support, family support. It also gives other people the opportunity to go out and do things, to go and do events. You know, some charities yeah. are events-based charities. They, they go out and do stuff. Um, and, and that's, that's another rewarding side of things. But I, I, I think I trace it back to my childhood really. You know, I was always that kid looking out the window, looking what's going on that's more fun and exciting. I was always that kid that was, you know, challenging myself as a, as a child. I did it through army cadets and then I joined the military and I did it through my military career. And actually through adversity and through the resilience that I've shown, in some way or another i don't know and a few people mentioned it to me um during my my rehabilitation oh ben you're so resilient what is resilience i don't understand what it is well do you think it is resilience is resilience is the the moment where you realize that you could do something you may not necessarily feel that you can do it you may not necessarily feel that you're in the right place or the right space to do it But resilience gives you the drive to go and try it, to go forward and do it. Resilience also is what I've shown. Now, looking back, I can say I have been pretty resilient in overcoming adversity. So, like I say, I was shot seven times. I received blast fragmentation injuries to my upper torso and both arms. Um, I tried to commit suicide. I'm now looking back. And if those opportunities hadn't happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I wouldn't be fundraising for some amazing charities. I wouldn't be doing these awesome events that are, you know, once once in a lifetime events, really. Um, I'm happier than I was before I met my partner out of it. Um, I'm living a lifestyle where, yes, I'm sharing my story, but I can share my story through the opportunities that I've been given and through the process of building routine and putting me in a much, much better position now. Um, And that all came from the incident. And I never wish, you know, I never wish adversity on anyone. I never wish that I would ever go back to that position that time when I got injured and went through what I went through but actually without that happening it didn't I didn't change I was in the washing machine cycle of the military um, you know being away all the time and like I said it, it took its toll on my relationship it took its toll on spending time with my children was I happy or was I just thriving through doing the next course because that gave me happiness you know I get that gave me the drive to go and do stuff actually by by that change happening it's given me more time to spend with people it's given it's made me happier it's put me in an environment where I can go out and do stuff if I want to go and do stuff I can go out and you know do core I'll just finished a nutrition coaching course for instance it's given me the opportunity to do that and develop little bits on on the side as well as working and enjoying a job that I I work in a I work in a technical role so using my military experience um in satellite communications so I work in a you know very um a very dynamic environment um the company's got you know satellites in space which is pretty cool um but I then go I then get the opportunity to go and do these events to fundraise to talk to people to interact with people that have experienced adversity to interact with people that may not, you know, may not necessarily have been through adversity, but have been through difficult times. Adversity doesn't just impact the individual, it impacts the family and friends around them. So they might have been close to somebody that's, let's say, been through something similar to me or, you know, something, let's say a car accident, and they've been severely injured physically and mentally. Their partner, their best friend, their close relative may have also been potentially as as mentally as affected as they have but it's had more of effect on them because they're getting rehab they're going through a recovery process they've got access to mental health support but they might not have so they might have it may affect them more is what i'm trying to say so they may they may not directly have had uh, an adverse um event life a life-changing event but they might be directly You know, connected to someone that has. And by sharing my story, they go, well, yeah, I've not been through that. But actually, if I change this, that would help the person that's been through adversity, but also will help me deal with the mental frustrations, the mental um, issues that I'm having moving forward. So that's Mm -hmm. it, has a bigger knock on effect. Um, So, yeah, I just, you know. I live by the the saying, you know, life is too short and life is too short. You know, opportunities are there. Time passes. Once time is gone, time is gone. You know, and and I live day by day now, you know, in the process of, you know, once the day has passed, I, I can't turn back time. I can't utilize that time again. Yes, you get the opportunity to fail. And failure is important. A lot of people associate failure with negativity and um, and um, you know uh, bad emotions, and uh, it's not good for you, and all this. Actually, failure is really important for everyone. It's important to fail. Why is it important to fail? Why is it important to fail? Because without failing, you're not giving something a try or giving something a go. You're not trying at something. By not failing or by, by failing, whichever way you look at it, you're not learning and developing. So, going back to my point earlier, well, I could quite happily sit on the sofa, watch telly, eating Cheetos. Well, no, I couldn't because that's not me as a person. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I can't stand watching telly and I don't like Cheetos. And sitting on the sofa would just bores me to death. But by doing that, you will never learn, you'll never really fail you'll never develop and you'll never move forward because each day will be the same. Each day will be equally as boring as the day before. And you'll never get the opportunity to to develop and move forward. So actually by getting off the sofa and going, actually, I'm going to work out for 20 minutes. I've never done a pull-up. I failed. Oh, right. What did I fail on? My strength at pulling up, say for instance. So uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but failure is important because it gives us the opportunity to, to learn and develop. Mm. And f- by failing, uh, I can't remember. There's a saying about, um, someone failed a thousand times and on the thousand and first time they invented, it was the light bulb. Mm. Um, so, you know, the thousand failures, the thousand and first, um, was the the light bulb was invented so by failing those thousand times that was the development phase of 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 the light bulb and that's the same for us as individuals we fail and fail and fail and fail actually at some point you're going to get to the point where you will succeed which is great but by succeeding is not succeeding in life it's not succeeding and being this great individual actually by succeeding just is another step to that progression into developing and moving on to the next thing. Mm. And there's three, you know, I like to live, I say, you know, I'm a lot happier, I'm in a lot better place. I like to live now by, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I don't like you shouldn't look at the past. The past is in the past. It's gone now. Um, should always look to the future and, and well, actually, no, You should you should live for today. And actually by looking back at the past, you learn so much from where you've been. And if you took time to, you know, write down things that you've been through, things, situations that you've been in that have been difficult, um, adversity that you've you've encountered and, and write some notes on how they affected you, how you could have done it differently. If it happened again, what you'd do differently, how you develop, how you'd move forward. You'd learn so much from the past that would mean the day that you live, the moment that you live in today, would be so much better, and then that would aid preparing for the future. And actually, by preparing for the future by using today, it gives by preparing sorry by preparing for the future, you can then use today to develop um, set routine and look forward to things that you've got coming up. It gives you that look forward. It gives you that drive that um opportunity gives you that you know that routine ultimately so i always say to people learn from the past live for today and plan for the future because that's what life should be about you should always learn from things that you've done things that you've been involved in things that you can develop from things opportunities where you failed live for today because ultimately now is the opportunity to make those changes and develop for the future and plan for things coming up um because yeah
0: i'm interested after everything you've learned through all your experiences what do you believe the number one golden rule is then for to live a happy fulfilled life what's what's the number one um what's the number one i don't know would it be some something, something as simple as routine?
1: Yeah, I say yeah. Or live, or 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 don't turn down opportunity. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, there's yeah. I suppose through everything that I've done post injury, has all been through opportunity. Um. So yeah, I suppose to uh, routine is massively important for you as a person. So even by sitting on the sofa watching telly, eating my che- Cheetos, there's probably some form of routine behind that i've got to go to bed at some point whether you might be sleeping on the couch but yeah i've got to wake up i've got to go and get go go and get my cheetos out the cupboard i've got to turn the telly on at some point there's some form of routine there but it's probably not a very good one um what i'm trying to say is you don't have to be doing what i'm doing to 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 have a good routine so nail down your routine that's important to you as an individual by exploring opportunity, by getting out of the comfort zone and, and exploring opportunities, is what 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 gives you that drive, that opportunity. I don't know; it's it's weird to explain. But yeah, it's a really good question.
0: It's the zone of growth, I guess, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it the growth growth mindset. Um, mm. but yeah, no root, routine. But uh, yeah, I suppose routine is is the most important routine for everyone. If everyone could narrow down the routine by sleeping, you know, it doesn't have to be eight hours, but sleeping in a good routine. And there's always, people go, there's not enough time in the day. Well, there is, because it comes down to routine. By yeah. sorting out your routine will give you that opportunity. And, you know, you're not, you're not asking people to run a marathon every day, you know, do four hours of exercise. All you need to be doing is 20 minutes. The endorphins that are released through 20 minutes of exercise physical exercise just is is phenomenal um and that's then what has a, a massive impact so yeah i'd say routine routine is 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 super important uh and, and exploring opportunity is is probably a close second
0: you, you um you spoke about failure earlier and obviously that, that that there's a fear of failure that can stop people exploring opportunities or taking new things on and i, I wanted to share that um the saying that I I, I like is uh, it's not win or lose it's win or learn, and through every failure it's just a learning experience to, to learn to do it better. I, I we, I, we had, Rockman had our first um, physical stall at a live event on the weekend, and um, I took my brother to help me, and he said, "Oh, you know what? What, what do you want to come out of today?" And I said, "Fred, I'm I'm going I'm going to fall on my ass. I want I want I almost I wanted to fail because it was our first one. I was like." I'm Welcoming failure because then I can learn for the next one, yeah. Because, yeah, and I think if people take that mindset into their everyday life and just you know embrace failure to a certain extent, let's see what happens. Because, th- what's the worst that can happen, right? I was literally um, just gonna say exactly the same. What
1: is the worst that can happen from failure? Mm. Well, you you maybe you might get a bit emotional, um, might <laughs> get a sweat you on, might, you might not you know. achieve. <laughs> You might not achieve what you set out to achieve. Hey, that's failure. So what are you going to do? You're going to learn from it. And then when you go at it again, then you're better prepared and you're in a better, you know, you're in a better place because you've you've, you've given it a go already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, yeah, I totally get, um, I'd happily challenge anyone um, that would say, I can't give that a go because I'm scared of failure because of the outcome might be
0: too... I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, What? I, yeah, what is the worst that could happen? Half the time, it's never as bad, even if they did fail, it's never as bad as they thought in their head as well. I, I, do you ever do any cold water swimming or anything like that? Yeah. And, and do you remember the first time you ever did it, like the anxiety you felt? And then yeah. you get in and you're like, oh, it's not actually that bad, right? Yeah, no, it is, it's true,
1: yeah, I've just learned to paraglide. Um, <laughs> is there anything but, you don't do? <laughs> i don't know i'm starting yeah. kite surfing soon as well so <laughs> um, so i used to parachute in the military and and I, I obviously lost that through leaving the military and um somebody said to me i was actually chatting to my partner's best friend's partner um who's a paragliding instructor he used to do a lot of skydiving so we had a connection with the parachute inside of things and he said uh, we was chatting about um flying so he said why don't you give paragliding a go and i was like well it's not quite the same is it i know like actually jumping out of it again it comes down to getting out of your comfort zone a lot of people will never jump out of a out of an airplane because they're scared of what i don't know what they're scared of some people think they're just going to fall and hit the floor um so uh i said well yeah i said it's not the same as as parachuting i said um you know leaving an airplane you're in full control you've got your parachute you've got a reserve so you know it's actually a really safe sport not a lot can go wrong so he said um well I'll have a go at paragliding I was like whoa that's a bit dangerous isn't it because you're taking off from the ground and um you know there's you could collide in the air and other bits and pieces like, no no it's fine it's very similar to parachute and so I was I was a bit apprehensive at the time he said look I'll take you up in a tandem And then you can get a feel for it, and then go from there. And I was like, "Yeah, but that's not the same. You're in control, and you know." And he was like, "Look, give it a go." So I remember going up with him on a Sunday. By the Tuesday of the following week, I'd signed up to my paragliding course, and I was ready to go. I was like, "What's the worst that could happen?" I'm going to learn. I'm going to have instruction of how to fly and how to paraglide. And I actually passed my exam two weeks ago and qualified as a paraglider. So Ah, Jesus, that was so quick. yeah, s- seven days. I think it's up, me. Um, oh, wow! So I was actually out paragliding lunchtime today. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, you know that's you, uh, uh, that's taking it to uh, you know learning something new, and, and that's another thing with failure is is learn something new. I always say to people um, by by failing you learn and develop, but also by getting out your comfort zone, you're learning about yourself but what also helps that is is learn something new you know challenge your brain challenge your mind by by taking on a new challenge and learning something new so I said earlier I've just qualified as a certified nutrition coach Um, that was part of backing up my PT calls Um, but I just wanted to learn more about you know I know about the anatomy I can go in the gym and work out and I can take a client in the gym and work out and you know get them bigger or fitter or more endurance based or whatever they want to do but I've never really narrowed down the nutrition side of things and learning that you know nutrition is not just about recovery and eating well it's also about people have eating disorders that can't necessarily eat those bright foods and so I got out of my comfort zone a little bit there and, and went and did a nutrition coaching course so went and learned something a little bit different. It was actually quite hard. It was quite demanding. Um, but yeah, you know, that's another thing that bolsters that, you know, get out of your comfort zone, fail and and learn, go and learn something yeah. new.
0: But it's, it's um, going to have knock-on effects as well because you're it's going to improve your confidence in, in what you know and what you can um, advise and then your self-esteem through confidence. And then it, it, it's just an ever-growing snowball of um, self-improvement it's good now you strike me Ben as a man with a vision and a very clear vision what does the future hold what have we got lined up so um what does the future hold so the future holds marathon disables in four
1: days um so that's my next challenge um I'll then return from that and um I will be over the summer I work part-time for the satcom company Um, I'll be taking, I also work for a hiking company as a mountain leader. So I take groups of veterans and civilian population, um, out hiking and hill walking over the summer months. Um, so I'll be, I'll be enjoying that. Um, November, I'll be conducting the world altitude obstacle course race, Mm -hmm. which will be pretty phenomenal. And then my future plan is to, is to continue to enjoy life. Um, it's to continue to progress, continue to learn, continue to develop, uh, continually get out of my comfort zone because um, I don't actually like being in my comfort zone. I like to be challenged. Um, I don't like sitting at home festering um, because I don't achieve nothing. You know, you don't, I don't achieve nothing by sitting at home. Um, I like to get out and, and learn and develop and learn new things. So I hope the future holds um, many more courses, um, lots more um endurance events i've got a few challenges up my sleeve that i want to do there's a few challenges on my web page that i um have listed that i'd like to achieve over the next few years um nothing you know as a um a world record attempt or a a british record attempt or anything like that if i get that along the way then it's a bonus but Mm -hmm. um there's a few challenges that, uh, that i want to compete and do um And ultimately, just enjoy life, you know, focus on myself. Um, Ultimately, there's only one person that can change anything in your lifestyle, and that's you. You know, external factors aside, um, if you're not happy in work, you can change it. If you're not happy in the house that you live in, yes, it's a bit difficult, but you can change it. You know, if you're not happy with your routine and your lifestyle, guess what? You can change it um if you're not happy with your body and if you know your, your appearance you can change it um there's so many things and, and ultimately it comes down to you as an individual there's only one person that can make changes in your lifestyle there's only one person that can make you happier there's only one person that can um input routine and that's you um so i you know i'm going to focus on myself and i'm going to focus on developing continuing to develop myself but also develop others around me
0: just to live life, basically. Yeah, totally live. Yeah, don't you're not 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 going through the motions of life. You're actively going out and there and living it. Yeah, there's that saying. Well, there's a saying I say: you won't do it unless you do it. If people have got a dream or if they want to change something, then sitting down waiting for it to happen, no one's coming to help. Yeah, exactly. It's Anyone can you. write a goal down. Yeah,
1: but it's only you that can implement it. Yeah, it's only you that can get out and train and you know, give it a go, fail at it, and then succeed. And then by succeeding, you're taking that next step. Mm -hmm. Succeeding doesn't just mean that's it you've done, you've got to the top. Succeeding is a step. So by succeeding at something, let's say easiest one to go is running, right? By succeeding, uh, you know, couch to 5K, tick, done, I've run 5K. I've got off the couch and I can run 5K. I've succeeded in my goal. My goal I wrote down was to run 5K. Well, well, that's not it. You don't just sit back down on the couch and go, yeah, I've no. done 5K. Here's easy. Next one is 10K. So become more proficient at running, probably fail a little bit along the way, You know, maybe not achieve the goals or the times that you're out to run, but then eventually achieve 10K. Well, now you've succeeded in that goal. So next one is to go out and do maybe a half marathon, then progress to a marathon or an ultra-distance run or you know, a trail run or whatever it may be. There's, you know, that, that it's just a stepping stone. And and ultimately that's what, that, that's what life is about. Life is a game. And like I said earlier, you get played a hand. And if you've got a crap hand, play the game. Um, yeah. uh, and ultimately, you know, life is too short. Life is too short. Yeah, I like it. Where yeah. can people, where can people follow you, Ben? Um, so people can head over to, so I'm only on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at bengallagher.gbr. And um, there's a link on my, to, uh, sorry, there's a link on my bio to my webpage. Uh, my webpage just lists a little bit more about me, uh, my events that I've got going on. Uh, and then on the homepage, I'll often um, put my next challenge. So at the moment, you'll see on my webpage that the homepage is is shared my links for marathon disables um so yeah instagram at GBR.
0: yeah and, and will you be post, posting during marathon disables so you're letting us know how it's going yeah
1: on? yeah i'm taking my phone out i'm taking a little solar power charger
0: um to keep my phone and my watch charged um, there would be plenty of sun that's for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <Isn't it? laughs> yeah um So, uh, yeah, so I'll I'll be thoroughly recharged (laughs) um, when I plug myself in. Um, So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I will be, apparently there is some signal out there um, in the Sahara Desert, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will be posting, I will be posting uh, stuff on social media. There is links on my web page as well um, uh, to the MDS Live profile, um, which they'll be sharing stuff on our behalf as well. Awesome.
0: Um, so yeah. Awesome. Uh thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on the podcast. No, that, thanks for having me. Honestly, uh, thanks for sharing the story. Like, because I, I know that you know it's a deeply personal story. Um, but I, I know that the people listening are gonna take something from that. I think it's quite inspirational for how you where you I mean from coming from the bottom, basically, to sort of turning your life around and seeing sort of the opportunities that you're getting now, showing that it's possible for anyone really to do this so yeah no thanks thanks for your time and uh thanks for sharing
1: no thank you and thanks for having me on
0: cracking uh good luck with the marathon and we'll catch up very soon cheers thank you cheers thank you very much